You're listening to Latin America in Focus. Latinoamérica in Foco. América Latina in Foco. A podcast by America Society, Council of the Americas on politics, economics, and culture in the region. Days after Britain voted to leave the EU, the heads of state of Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. meet in Ottawa to talk North American integration. This is Karin Zissis with ASCOA Online. I spoke with Eric Farnsworth of the Council of the Americas about what's on the agenda for the North American Leaders Summit. Thank you very much for talking with me today. Thanks for having me. And we're talking about the North American Leaders Summit, which is taking place in Ottawa. Um, just to go back a little bit and talk about the history of this, People might think the summit dates back to NAFTA, but the first one was actually held in 2005. What was the impetus behind getting these leaders together? The North American Leaders Summits are a relatively new phenomenon and in large measure came together after the 9-11 attacks uh, because despite the, the North American Free Trade Agreement, which was passed in 1994, all of the benefits uh, were being put at risk by the security arrangements that were put in place after 9-11 uh, in terms of the borders that were getting more complicated, the security arrangements, uh, and that were really undermining in some ways the benefits of the North American Free Trade Agreement. So the three leaders uh, got together the first time to try to develop an agenda that would certainly take full account of the security requirements of all three countries, uh, but would also balance that with the very necessary um, the commercial and economic agenda that in some ways is really the windpipe of all three uh, North American economies. So it was an attempt to balance out the economic and security arrangements at the same time recognizing the importance of both. This is an interesting moment for these three leaders to get together. You've got a new prime minister in Canada. You're in the last year of the U.S. president's administration. Um, and, and it's a couple years away, but on the horizon, we're going to have a, a Mexican presidential election. So it's a particular moment for the three governments. What are the dynamics like between these leaders and what could it mean for the summit's outcome? Well, dynamics seem to be pretty good among all three leaders, certainly between the U.S. president and the Canadian prime minister. There was a virtual love fest uh, when uh, Prime Minister Trudeau came to Washington for a state visit uh, earlier this year. Uh, both uh, leaders uh, very much cut from the same mold in terms of their outlook and some of the things that they want to accomplish. Uh, the relationship with the Mexican president, Enrique Peña Nieto, I think, with uh, President Obama is also very, very strong. Uh, they hold each other in mutual high regard. The relationship between the Mexican and Canadian leaders has been a little bit more strained because of some bilateral issues in the context of visas and other things. But uh, we anticipate that uh, when they meet together in Ottawa, um, some of these issues will be worked through and resolved. So at a personal level, it, you, one gets the sense that the three leaders like each other. And with the uh, understanding that successful diplomacy requires people-to-people uh, -people contact and um, the interaction among leaders, one could predict that, in fact, uh, this could be a, a successful summit. The leaders like each other, and when you like your counterpart, you want to work together and you want to help each other succeed, and I think that's going to be part of the dynamic. And what about Brexit? 
Well, Brexit is clearly having an overwhelming impact on how people are talking about these issues, uh, no matter what a previous agenda might or may or may not have been. Uh, and I would anticipate that uh, going forward at the North American Leaders Summit, the three leaders are going to be very conscious about uh, the vote that just occurred. Uh, and we'll be looking to find uh, ways to speak positively about North America as an economic space and the benefits to all three of our countries uh, that have come from economic integration. Uh, this is an important moment to stand up uh, for those issues, and I would anticipate that they'll uh, take the opportunity to do so. And it's also an interesting time because uh, I've been seeing some reports that there could be an opportunity to make agreements around climate change or energy. Um, what do you think is, is going to be on the agenda for these three leaders? Well, climate change is clearly on the agenda. It's a legacy issue for President Obama, and he doesn't have a whole lot of time left in office. So every uh, international meeting from here on out, one can assume that uh, climate change issues and the implementation of the Paris Accords uh, is going to be high on the agenda. I would anticipate North America will be clearly part of that agenda. But it's also an agenda that's consistent with the stated uh, priorities of Prime Minister Trudeau in Canada. And the Mexican uh, government has also taken a high-profile position in support of uh, climate change mitigation issues. You know, this is a, an, a real issue where North America can lead and has chosen to, to try to lead, not just within North America, but at a global level. All three countries are major energy producers, particularly in the context of hydrocarbons, oil and gas. Uh, and so they want to take steps together uh, that can promote each other's economies while at the same time uh, addressing uh, climate change issues in a meaningful way that doesn't unnecessarily attract, detract from economic growth. So uh, I would anticipate that climate change will be a high priority on the agenda. But there are others as well. Borders is a perennial issue. Uh, energy uh, is also another topic, not, separate and apart from the issue of climate change. Uh, the issue of interconnectivity, uh, linking power grids together, particularly on the electricity side with the United States and Mexico. The truth is the United States and Canada are already, are already relatively integrated uh, from the power generation space but uh, there's a lot of work that can and should be done between the United States and Mexico. Uh, one could also anticipate that uh, security issues will be addressed. I mean, look, we're in a very complicated global world right now, and security issues are a perennial, so those are going to come up too. Um, finally, I think it's a powerful statement that the three leaders of North America are going to be able to uh, get together and make some prioritization of some of the issues that are happening in the Western Hemisphere. In other words, support for progress in Central America, I would anticipate, uh, will come up and be a part of the discussion. Uh, something with reference to democracy in Haiti. Uh, certainly Canada has very deep interest in Haiti and the Caribbean Basin. Uh, I would anticipate uh, support for democracy, uh, broadly speaking, in the region, uh, which may or may not specifically identify Venezuela, but I'm sure Venezuela will be discussed for a variety of reasons and, in my view, should be discussed. And this is an area where the North American leaders working together uh, can make a positive impact. That's a lot for, that, for these leaders to cover. What are the expectations for this summit? The expectations for the actual meeting in Ottawa should be held in line, right? I mean, President Obama is going out of office uh, shortly. The elephant in the room is the U.S. presidential elections, uh, and that will determine an awful lot going forward for obvious reasons. The other thing I should add is that the last North American Leaders Summit 
uh, was in Toluca, Mexico in early 2014, uh, which is some time ago. These are uh, supposed to be, at some level, uh, annual meetings. Uh, and my hope would be that they return to be annual meetings. I think they're important enough. I think that they drive an agenda, even if the specific agreements that may be coming out of each individual meeting may not be earth-shattering. They still focus each bureaucracy on the importance of the issues. They continue to drive a process of engagement. Uh, and, and, and this is really important from a bureaucratic perspective, because if you don't have that momentum, uh, it's too easy to get sidetracked to other issues that require equally uh, important attention. But when the three leaders get together, the bureaucracy is mobilized. You've talked about everything from, from energy to, to borders to security. Speaking of borders, you know, these leaders are, of course, meeting in the middle of a heated U.S. election that has one candidate saying he's going to build a wall on the Mexican border and has a lot of people making jokes uh, about maybe Canada should build a wall on its border. Um, so I'm wondering, what do you think these three leaders can do to maintain uh, a positive tone about the high level of integration between these three countries? What's the message that they can get across? I think that by virtue of meeting together, that in and of itself is an important statement because they recognize that North America uh, is a geographic region which has huge mutual interests. And I think the more that that point can be expressed, the more people will recognize what is really at stake here in the context of North America. It's not helpful, in my view, for political leaders to uh, talk about building walls with each other. Uh, I think it's a much more productive conversation to have in terms of furthering integration uh, for our own economic benefit, uh, as well as the economic benefit of our partners. Uh, but it will probably be unrealistic to anticipate that the three leaders would directly take on any individual uh, U.S. presidential candidate, uh, and I think that's appropriate. Uh, but rather, they'll stick to the level of expressing principles, expressing support for uh, North America as a region, and frankly, talking about the success that we've had as integration has occurred and continues and the importance of why that's good for Americans, uh, citizens and Canadian citizens and Mexican citizens and how that's improving people's lives. I mean, there's a lot of misinformation out there uh, that frankly has to be countered with facts and with, uh, with a counter narrative that expresses the very real benefits that uh, have accrued to the three North American nations. One other point uh, along those lines, whether with reference to North America or more broadly, trade itself is also a very unpopular topic right now in terms of U.S. politics. Uh, and one of the things that the three leaders can and, in my view, should be doing in Ottawa is providing very clear rationale for why trade is not just good for us in North America, but why we should be working together to try to expand it. And one of the best ways to do that, of course, is through the Trans-Pacific Partnership. All three of our uh, countries are parties to that agreement. Uh, hopefully it will, will be passed in the near term. But these are issues that, unless we talk about them uh, and show by example the benefits to the citizens of our three countries, it's it, too easy to demagogue them on the other side. And I think this is a real opportunity for the three leaders to, to weigh in on behalf of the entire trade agenda. Can you explain a little bit about how the Trans-Pacific Partnership, TPP, 
builds on NAFTA and builds on the agreement between these three countries? When NAFTA was initially negotiated and passed, it was a cutting-edge agreement. It was literally the most advanced agreement that the world had seen at that point, and it was the first agreement ever between the world's most developed country and a developing country, Mexico. Um, and so, in some ways, it was an experiment, and it was certainly cutting-edge, but, you know, that was over 20 years ago, and the world has dramatically changed in 20 years. I mean, think about the fact that in when NAFTA was first passed, email was just a new phenomenon. Uh, now email is taking over our lives. There was no social media, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter, but you know, more, more importantly, there was no uh, technological revolution in the context of uh, fracking, for example, in energy, or cars that not only um, are technology intensive, but frankly drive themselves or new medicines and discoveries which require uh, agreements in terms of who owns what patents based on is something a life form or not. I mean, these are questions that negotiators not, didn't even begin to grapple with because they didn't have to. They didn't, these, these sectors in some ways didn't even exist. Well, the world has moved on. NAFTA has in some ways stayed the same. And so we're trying to organize a very... Uh, vibrant North American economic space with a document that when it was passed, again, was cutting edge, but now is overtaken in some ways by events. At the same time, sectors that weren't covered by uh, NAFTA have now uh, opened up and are ready to be uh, discussed in a broader way. Energy is a perfect example of that. And so through the Trans-Pacific Partnership, where all three North American uh, countries are participating, you have the opportunity to upgrade and update the NAFTA relationship without having to actually renegotiate that agreement, which I think by consensus would be a very difficult uh, thing to do. One of the things that people say about trade agreements is that they don't uh, bring about new um, sectors. What they rather do is they try to organize things that are already in place and try to provide uh, order to the marketplace for predictability, uh, for rule of law, and for um, advancing the, the national economic interests of, of their you know, parties to their agreements. That's what we would anticipate the Trans-Pacific Partnership would do in the North American context. One of the things that I think is, is interesting that you mentioned, you, you talked about them meeting in Toluca. You know, I'm looking at this from my perspective being here in Mexico and, and you're in Washington and, and there are different political dynamics going on in these two countries right now um, because of elections. Mexico just had an election um, in which the governing party didn't fare so well. At the same time, it seems to me as though the host, Canada, is having a, a very positive moment. There seems to be, maybe it's, maybe it's us looking at it as outsiders. Uh, but there seems to be all this positivity around the new government. Do you think that the fact that it's in Canada, that that's going to be the host and there, there's some, there is a moment there, do you think that that can contribute in any way to the dialogue and to the summit? Oh, sure. I think every administration that comes in uh, is, brings with it a certain amount of energy, a certain amount of excitement, and certainly a willingness and a desire to make a mark on the agenda. And I think that this is clearly consistent with um, the, the new Canadian administration in terms of what they may, tr may be trying to achieve. Um, part of it uh, may also be the fact that the Prime Minister is still in somewhat of a honeymoon um, with Canadian voters, and we'll see how long that lasts. But uh, absolutely, um, 
you know, the energy of the host says a lot about the success of any individual summit. We saw that when the Mexican government hosted the last North American Leaders uh, Summit meeting in Toluca in 2014. They were very interested in seeing a successful summit, not just for, for Toluca, but also to lay the groundwork for a continuation of a process in North America uh, which unfortunately didn't take hold immediately, but hopefully with the new uh, government in Canada, we'll be able to do so. Great. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me, Eric. Thanks very much. It was a real pleasure. For more, visit as-coa.org.